Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Todd Shepard, good morning. Good morning, Don. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, you've been busy. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I, I, You know what? I didn't publish a story all last week, and it was really nagging on me. So uh, <laughs> it... it to the outside observer, it may not look like it, but I, I assure you, you know, it, you, it, the way you say that, it kind of brings up an interesting point. I mean, especially when you do investigative journalism as opposed, and there is a difference, but, you know, you take a lot of swings that don't hit. Mm-hmm. And so you work on a lot of stories that just don't pan out. And so that's really kind of the blessing of what Broad and Liberty allows me to do is it allows me to have that whole week where you know, there, there isn't anything published, but I'm still wor- working hard on, you know, all kinds of things. So you're absolutely right. But thanks. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't realize, and you bring up a great point. I know at Fox 29, for example, when I was there, and Jeff Cole is still there as an investigative reporter. But sometimes you have managers who come into any given newsroom and they say, well, we need stuff today. We need some breaking news. We need this and that. That's cheap and easy to cover the fires. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. And right. be an ambulance chaser. But it's an investment, and that's what that's what Broad and Liberty is all about and why I'm grateful for Broad and Liberty and for you because it's an investment, but what you bring forth while taking days or a week or weeks to take a good look and give us the, the whole the holistic look at what's happening, that's important, and we don't have enough yeah. of it. And it's something in television news, I can tell you, they've cut back on. And it's that's sad to me. So good for Broad and Liberty. Good for you, um, Todd Shepard. So take us through it when when you're looking at, you know, and I, we were looking at some of your, your latest pieces as far as you had one article that, um, or excuse me, um, actually we were looking at some of the headlines that talk about Philadelphia police recruitment and some of the ads paying off finally. We know that... It's tough after defund the police. Um, but can we talk about this a little bit as far as thinking about the need for recruiting more, you know, finding a few good refu- uh, recruits, maybe, well, at this point, what are we, more than a 1,000, they say, we need to hire over the next couple of years. And then everybody has to go through training. When you then look at something in the headlines like today, Todd, as far as the police commissioner, city officials are going to hold a big news conference and it looks it, it looks like they're doing further investigations of these two Philadelphia police officers pulling somebody over, police-involved shooting. How does that play as far as, in your opinion, with recru- trying to recruit, but at the same time, police officers in the crosshairs? 
Yeah, and, you know, I, I would think that um, a lot of that sort of touches on the the story we did a couple of weeks ago where we – we look, we, we got really into suburban crime. We really got some, some hard statistics on crime in the four collar counties, uh, and, and also some new crime stats on Philadelphia. We talked to, uh, a, you know, we talked to one Philadelphia, uh, this wasn't like just a, an officer. This was a ranking official in the department who sort of said Larry Krasner is really responsible for the low morale. And a lot of us don't feel like we can go do our job in a robust manner because, you know, we think he'll second guess our work. We think he won't prosecute our work. So, you know, it's not worth the risk of us getting in, you know, of of us making an arrest even. So you're right. And then again, you know, juxtaposing these couple of things that you bring up the press conference uh, versus the media stories. Look, I think, I think there has been a kind of, uh, holding pattern that is waiting for November still where uh, not just Sherelle Parker, but there are even other officials who can, can fairly well be assumed to, to win their race. And I'm not saying that about Sherelle Parker. I mean, I, I, I'm going to give David O's better than a puncher's chance, but I'm talking about someone like, uh, the this the the person who has been for all intents and purposes the newly elected mayor of Chester uh, I'm blanking on his name right now just because I'm on air <laughs> so the harder I try the harder I try to grasp for it the more it's determined to elude me but um you know I mean this guy doesn't even have opposition he will become the new mayor of Chester but it seems like even he is is sort of um He's just not making a lot of pronouncements, and and I, I'm not even seeing this from from candidate Parker, where um, it, it still seems like she's just being I, I would call it appropriately cautious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think uh, everything comes down to uh, how determined she is to establish a new mood and establish a new morale if she wins in November. And so I really think it turns on all of that. And by the way, so if I can ask a question, I don't have the press release announcing the, the, the press conference today. Is Sherelle Parker going to be in attendance or is it just, you know, commissioner outlaw? And yeah, that's a great question. By the way, it's, it's uh, mayor Thaddeus Kirkland, right? Is the mayor of Chester. He's on his way out. Um, here, so he's while, on his way uh, out. You, yeah. Oh, so you're talking about the, the, um, the not the outgoing person. He lost. He lost the mayor. The primary to is it Stefan Roots? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, Stefan Roots. Um, he yeah he he upset Thaddeus Kirkland, and again he had. I mean he, he has no Republican opposition, from what I understand, um, and he he absolutely. Like he's a certainty to be the next mayor of of Chester. He will win in November, and he will be uh, sworn in 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 January. I mean, that's a certainty. But it, like again, we, we so we had a reporter do you know spend a couple of days with him, and again, I mean, he's 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 obviously talked about like some things he has like you know the the waste plant in Chester. He's talked mm-hmm. about that, 
but he's, he hasn't really talked about more political things, things that involve personnel issues, city personnel issues, right? So that's, that's he, the policy matters he's discussed have been a little bit more at arm's length from the, the things that impact the city employees. And I think that that's been the same for sort of David O and, uh, and Ms. Parker for the time being, right? Yeah, it, at least I'm sorry the Republican didn't run. And sometimes I say that, that where are the Republicans? Why not? Why not do a power play and go after some of these voters and expose what's happening and say to them, hey, you're being taken for granted. You look at Chester, you know, bankrupt, you know, fighting the bankruptcy. And there were there are other headlines just this morning about them. And so, you know, I I like the fact that that even though, um, you know, we'll see what Roots can perform or what, what he can do, but at least I like that people are saying, hey, let's get rid of the swamp in, in Chester. It's a start. I guess I would say that to it, you it know? It really is. And, and so, I mean, look, Chester's just so, I, I mean, I presume it's more Democratic than, than Philadelphia, but um, it that is essentially what Stefan Root, that is the campaign he ran. And, and, you think about, I mean, upsetting Thaddeus Kirkland, that's like, that's like beating Ted Kennedy in Massachusetts or something. <laughs> I mean, Thaddeus Kirkland was part of a, a familial, you know, dynasty in that city. And, uh, and they absolutely had a political machine. So his, uh, this is, and this is why we, we had a reporter spend a couple of days with him is because not do we, not only do we think he's an, an incredibly important story now, but, um, we think he he will be an incredible story over the next three or four years because I guess the way you would say it is out of Democrats in Chester he is I don't want to say more conservative but I definitely think he is tired of the of the way things have been and 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 you know it, it, he really was the change candidate for sure. Yeah, and I think they booted out two two other allies in the four member city council, right? So it wasn't just the mayor. When I say the swamp, there were two others involved. So I, I, to me, I agree with you. I hope that it is a referendum on Chester against the sort of progressive left wing movement or the swamp, whatever you want to call it. And the same for Sherelle Parker. You know, she. I'm thankful as a city resident, longtime city resident, that Sherelle Parker at least was somebody who was from the old, I think, an old guard Democrat, Democrat. I don't know what to call it, but not a progressive far left wing. And so I at least I'm grateful for that. I know that David O is, you know, has been out there saying that they're not debating and that she's MIA. So we'll see. And to your point, she should be. I think if if I were her, why not go to this news conference today? Why not take, even right. if you're not up on the stage, why not attend, you know, and, right. and, and talk to some of those news reporters and say, under my administration, X, Y, Z, transparency, whatever, but have that reaction. I mean, technically, she's you're right. She's still running for mayor and should not presume anything. I, I think it's a great example that you bring up of, of you know, Democrats – being taken for granted in cities like Philadelphia and, and look at yeah. the, look at the poor performance. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I definitely I, look, 
Uh, to go back to your original question, though, about, you know, the po- police recruiting issues, uh, we know that there's been massive attrition due to retirements uh, in combination with the uh, the inability to have robust recruiting classes. And you combine that, again, with these these scandal stories that continue to make it into the news. Um, again, the all of this really sums up into a morale issue and morale cannot and won't change unless the rank and file or the potential recruits think the leadership is on their side. And so again, this is why I think if, if Sherelle Parker wins in November, um, the statements she makes immediately after the November election or the, the statements David O would make, um, will be incredibly, incredibly important to the ability to recruit yeah. and stem those losses. Yeah. Agreed. So I want to get to one, one thing that we've talked a lot about, and this is actually um, posted yesterday in on Broad and Liberty on, on the site, as you talk about updating us on what's going on in Central Bucks. Um, this is a school district, and quite frankly, Central Bucks and Bucks County in general is on the is on the national map, I think, as Democrats and Republicans look to Bucks County, saying, you know, as Bucks goes, as Pennsylvania goes, they're watching it so carefully, looking ahead even to 2024. And so it's a real battleground. And you've written an article about what's going on with the Central Bucks School District where a teacher um, has been suing the district so can you talk about your latest piece as far as the update here, Todd? Sure. So the quick background of this story, people have probably seen some news article, maybe many news article articles over the last, uh, you know, 18 months about uh, issues relating to LGBT plus uh, students in the district or controversies there. In particular, what this really came down to was one teacher. He was suspended. He said that he was suspended uh, out of retaliation for his support of LGBT students and because he had aided uh, a a transgender student and that student's family to file a a federal uh, complaint against the district. So he says that's why he was suspended. The district, on the other hand, says, no, actually what happened is, is this student gave you these complaints of bullying, you were supposed to report them to the district and you didn't. And so when you didn't, we suspended you. And so there's been this enormous political battle over these two uh, differing accounts. Um, Not long after the teacher was suspended, uh, well, it it was a few months after Mm -hmm. he was suspended, um, he, uh, the the district, approved an an outside investigation by uh, an outside law firm. In this case, it happened to be Dwayne Morris. Uh, And then the teacher, as you said, sued the district. The new developed, that was the lawsuit was filed in April of this year. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the key developments that we reported on in broad and Liberty yesterday is uh, last week, Thursday, Three of the attorneys for this teacher, his name's Andrew Burgess, three of his attorneys dropped out. They filed 
uh, withdrawal of, of appearances, uh, notices with the court, which means we're not this guy's attorney anymore. Mm -hmm. And he had six attorneys, two from the ACLU, one who is a member of the faculty at, at, uh, Pennsylvania Law School at UPenn Law School. And, and then these three from this firm called Levon, Stapleton, Siegel, and Cochran. So his, his team of six was literally cut in half on Thursday. Okay. Now, why this matters even more is because on Monday, uh, the remaining three attorneys filed a, an amended complaint with the court. And in that amended complaint, they added, I mean, uh, they um, added some new allegations against the district. And a lot of those uh, allegations uh, have to do specifically with the investigation that came out in April. Um, it came out about a week after the teacher filed his lawsuit. So uh, we just think that the timing of, uh, look, the, the fact that he, he had half of his legal team drop out is significant on its own. The fact that they dropped out, you know, three business days or two business days before an amended complaint was filing, um, that timing certainly raises some issues. I, look, I don't have proof of what these attorneys' motivation was, but you could, I mean, you could say it, it like a possible, a very possible scenario is that, um, you know, they had objections to the amended complaint, so they didn't want to be a part of it, so they removed themselves as counsel. Um, you know, that's possible. Again, I don't have proof of that. That's a hypothetical. Um, but the timing is, is, again, you know, to just have three people like that mm -hmm. completely drop out is incredible. And let me tell you, too, one of those uh, attorneys, uh, when, when they, one of those attorneys was an original signatory to the original lawsuit that was filed on April 11th. And when that happened, the ACLU put out a press release and here's what one of those attorneys said. He said, Andrew Burgess stood up for the LGBTQ plus students of the school district. And this is attorney Eli Segal. Um, and he says, and now we are proud to stand up for him. Well, what's happened to that pride now? I mean, you left mm -hmm. the case. And so, um, of course, uh, I reached out to all three of the attorneys with that, uh, with that law firm. I reached out to the two attorneys who remain with the ACLU as well as the ACLU's spokesperson. Um, and by the way, they have told me a, a couple of times in the last few months that, that, you know, any comment by Andrew Burgess will come through them. So in effect, by reaching out to them, I'm in effect reaching out to Andrew Burgess. Um, and I got no response from, from my outreach to the ACLU and no, no response from my outreach to these three attorneys at, Levon Stapleton, Seagal, Coughlin. Yeah, and I think the bottom line, and you write this in your article at Broad and Liberty if people want to check it out, but I think the bottom line as I look at all of this, even though as a parent I feel badly for a situation where a kid ultimately confided in a teacher and there was a trust there, and so obviously this kid trusted the teacher and maybe initially the teacher was clearly, you know, advising the kid, was sympathetic. But on the other hand, the district does, in fact, have a policy that if a kid confides in you that you were bullied or something was happening, for whatever reason they were bullied, you, you know, it, that to me is, is a little bit irrelevant. What if they were being bullied for the fact of their religion 
or for their ethnicity or, or you right. know, any number of reasons, right? Because we know bullying happens. Kids can be really cruel. And so the fact that he was being bullied and they're saying, you violated this policy and you did not report this and there are different pathways to report it. Ultimately, even though I am, I will say up front, I am sympathetic to any teacher who was so trusted. Do you know what I'm saying? In other words, initially, I think there was a good piece of this that a kid went to a teacher because we always say that, right? That, you know, go to a trusted adult. The kid didn't go to their parent, maybe, but went to the, went to the teacher. The problem here is the teachers, even for reasons of, um, you know, you know, family, like let's say domestic abuse or sexual abuse, teachers are those first reporters. And so you have, I know this as a volunteer, I have all my clearances. Um, if I, as a volunteer in, in a school or a, another setting, if a kid comes to me and says something happened to them, I'm required by state law, in fact, that I would report it. So that's what I see here. Right. And, and you know, these competing versions, I, I think for any of your listeners in Bucks County, I think mm-hmm. when you consider the vote will cast in November, you, uh, you really are voting on whose version of truth you believe, because I, I think it, it's very conceivable that uh, the new, let's say if a new board or a different board majority is installed after the November elections, it could very well be that they just decide to settle this lawsuit with this teacher for who knows, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and, uh, and so in essence, you're, you're sort of voting on, on whether this teacher, um, you know, acted appropriately in this circumstance or didn't. And look, it's, it's not a light issue to determine. Yeah. You would, you know, to look into this, you would need to read the, the teacher's uh, complaint. Mm-hmm. You would also probably need to at least read the the report from the investigation carried out by Dwayne Morris. And that's a long read. That's 140 yeah. some odd pages. We at Broad and Liberty have tried to break down, like we did a breakdown of just the key evidence, what we felt were the key pieces of evidence from the report so that, that those pieces were digestible. We have all, every time we've reported on this, we have always linked to the uh, lawsuit, uh, you know, to the lawsuit mm-hmm. filings so that people will have access to them. We also, one other thing that we did that we hope will be of use to voters in Central Bucks when they do this is that the, the report's findings were delivered in a special meeting to the board. And for a long time, that video was, you know, you would have to go straight to Central Bucks, to the Central Bucks board website to to view the video we took that and uploaded it on youtube so now people you know we just made it in an easier format now right so people can can uh, access it in a in a format that they use every day right yeah so um you know but i it, it dawned on me as you were summarizing all of those issues um, you're not just voting for those individual candidates so much in Central Bucks this November. A large part of how this vote will be determined is whose truth you believe yeah. in this whole, uh, in this, you know, it, it's really an 18-month-long affair now. Yeah, and it's a shame. It's a shame that, you know, we, we're seeing this across the country, um, but as well in Bucks County. The only thing I... You know, I will say about it there because there are some people who are sympathetic to a teacher 
who believed they their heart may have initially been in the right place um, and believed that the teacher felt that the child would not be supported by a so-called conservative or Republican, uh, I don't know, principal or regime, that sort of thing. The bottom line with the law, I will say, and I'm, I'm, have been an adjunct professor as well in journalism. The laws are really clear. And so I think people have to think about, do you want a teacher who takes the law into their own hands? Even if you believe that teacher is a good person who had their heart in the right place, because we have these laws for a reason to protect our educators as well as to protect the students. And I think that's Absolutely. another, you know, that's another piece of this. It is. But here's how slippery it is for a voter to try to sort these issues. And I'm sure we're coming up on a break here, so I'll try yeah. to really. But I mentioned this in the article is, for example, the ACLU says, well, the, the reporting requirement that the district mentions uh, wasn't even established until 2022. And it was established after Mr. Burgess was suspended. And in the Dwayne Morris report, they say, well, actually, it was it was already established as policy 103. And then the same language was merged into policy 104. It, it, you know, the, the new policy that the ACLU references is policy 104. And that actually just merged the language from the old uh, from the old 103. So. In, in essence, Dwayne Morris is saying the language was there all along, but the ACLU is saying uh, the, the policy didn't exist until after Mr. Burgess was fired. And so it's, it's, that's why it's so slippery and so difficult for voters to get their arms around this fully. Yeah, and I wonder, because I, the way I was told, I know I do, Anthony's wrapping us both up, right? But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just thought because I was told it was under the Pennsylvania Department of Education as far as the fact that all educators are mandated reporters and would some kind of any kind of bullying and that action not come under the mandatory reporting act. And I, I, that's what, that was my understanding that if a kid comes to you and confides any level of any kind of abuse, bullying, home abuse, domestic I thought that was all under that mandatory reporting. So I'll be curious to follow along with this as well. But Anthony's given us a hard wrap. So until next time, Todd Shepard, thank you. Thanks, Don. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.